0: hello and thank you for tuning in to mum talk hosted by myself Emma Jolin mum to Amandine now a toddler and our new edition Elwood born this May If you are new here on this podcast I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby toddler and now as a mum of two sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative, and provide plenty of nod-along and me-too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. I am really excited to be working with the team at PureFlow again. They are baby sleep experts and they're celebrating their 25th birthday. Their baby sleep bags are really genius with removable sleeves and lots of other clever features designed by parents. They are perfect for staying cozy on these cold winter nights. And I'll tell you more about them and give you a special Mum Talk listener discount code later on in the episode. Hello and welcome to the final episode of Mum Talk Podcast Festive Motherhood Special. Today, I have another absolutely fantastic guest joining me. When I get joined by all of these amazing guests, like I said in the last podcast, it really is a pinch me moment. Never in my imagination did I think that these wonderful wonderful women would join me on the podcast to discuss these things. So I am always so incredibly grateful for their time. This week on the podcast, we have Charlotte Sterling-Reed from SR Nutrition, and she is going to talk to us all about weaning and feeding our children through the Christmas festive period. I, for one, am already getting quite stressed, about feeding the kids, Amandine's going through a really fussy stage, literally anything that isn't pasta, or essentially something that looks like cheese and tomato, so pizza, is having a complete, I mean, she just gets down from the table, she just says, no, I don't like it, without even trying it. And I think we've been approaching it a little bit wrong. (laughs) So, and it's really hard not to, it's really hard. And Charlotte and I talk about that too. So it's not just about the festive period, it's about other um, things as well. Also, weaning. If you're following like I am, I'm following um, Charlotte's book, How to Wean. And it's brilliant. It's such a fantastic resource, especially if you're incredibly sleep deprived like I am. Also, by the way, no improvement in that area, but that's for another time. Um, if you're following her 10 day plan, her 30, well, it's a 30 day plan, but if you're in the first 10 days or the, you know, the next 10 days or the final 10 days, I've asked her things like, can you switch it up a little bit? Can you give them a roasted parsnip? So long as it hasn't got honey, obviously. Um, instead of sticking to the bitter green vegetables. And she answers all of those questions too. Uh, Elwood is also getting really quite irate and frustrated with food. It happened again at lunchtime, actually, just now. So it was really interesting to hear her response to that too. Um, So have a listen. I hope it brings you some stress-free help (laughs) um, to, again, help to give us a stress-free Christmas enjoy and I will catch you at the other end thank you for joining let's dive in and let's talk about weaning and feeding over the Christmas period, because I, for one, am going through this right now. As you know, Elwood, he's almost seven months. We've started weaning with your fantastic book. Oh my word. Thank you so much for creating that book. I cannot tell you, especially in my sleep deprived state, what a huge help it's been. Just, you know, those first 30 days laid out in black and white on the page. Don't have to think about it. Add it to my supermarket shop. It's just so simple. Thank you. First oh, of all. I love that. Thank you so much. Honestly, that's exactly why I wrote it because I had so many parents
1: come to me just going, you know, either tired parents, even parents who've done it before, or just mm. brand new parents never weaned. And they're going, I just need to know how to start. So, not only does the book that I create, I wanted it to be every single step of how to start that journey, but also I wanted You know, I felt like that very first month is where parents often unsure. And -hmm. if they can get through that and know what to do, it just, that confidence of right, I know the kinds of foods, I know how to bake them, I know how to cook them, and, and so ultimately, I just wanted to create an absolute confidence boost for for weaning. So I'm I'm pleased that you've got on with it.
0: <laughs> I really have, and I am doing this second time around. And I mean, I mm. I, I didn't know you existed first time around, so <laughs> second time around it's just so much easier. So thank you so much. So let's oh, talk good. about weaning and feeding over the festive periods because. With all the sweet treats going on and, you know, maybe going to family and friends where you're not in charge of the meal, you're not entirely sure what what they're going to be eating. How can we approach this so it doesn't be really overwhelming for kind Mm -hmm. of all ages, you know, babies and toddlers?
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I think it can be, especially, you know, for for a lot of parents, they're thinking
1: that they want to be in control of what their little ones are eating. And that's completely understandable, especially in young babies where we're, you know, teaching them to eat and we're showing them about, you know, um, all of this variety of delicious foods that we want them to try. And I think the main thing I would try and say is try not to stress too much about it because the more anxious that you get around feeding them and the more anxious that you get about exactly what they're eating, whether their children whether they're babies or toddlers the more they will pick up on that anxiety and the more you will probably have difficulties because of a knock-on effect mm-hmm. so I think the best thing to do and I know this is it's so much easier said than done believe me as quite an anxious person the more that you can just try and relax into things and sort of go everything will be fine if they have a week of different eating if they have a week where the weaning plan is not quite scheduled. Don't worry about it. Children do love routine. They are also quite adaptable. Um, and they will, you know, you're not going to derail all your amazing efforts with one week over the Christmas period, for example. Um, and again, I say that whether they be weaning baby or whether they be a toddler. Um, but that's the first thing I would say. And the other thing I would say is there's generally so much great food around at Christmas mm. that actually it's really easy be able to give your little ones um, you know the kinds of foods that you want to be giving them whatever stage of weaning you're at so whether that be you know roast potatoes or whether that be carrot or whether that be um, you know the kind of kale or sprouts or whatever that's going with the meal that's blended there's so many different options that you can give to your little one finger foods you know blended there's also really useful equipment like things like portable hand blenders that you can take to families home so I think There is a case of saying, have a little time to think and prep about what you need second of all most of the foods that you do want to give your little one will be available around Christmas time most likely and actually try and think of the positives like all the different food that you can introduce to your baby that maybe they haven't had just yet
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um so I don't know if that kind of answers your question because that was a bit of a (laughs) going off on a tangent I just think Christmas is such a great time and that we should try and think of the positives and use it to our advantage rather than being anxious about it really.
0: Mm, I couldn't agree more I know that with Amaldine and the stage she's going through so for those of you who don't know Amaldine is three If there's something that pretty much at the moment isn't pasta or covered in some form of tomato sauce Mm. or something that she's used to eating, Mm. she'll get up at the table and she'll just go, I don't like it, and then get down Mm. and walk away. And then it's a battle to try and get her back to the table. So I know I'm probably going to have that when Christmas dinner comes Mm. around or when anybody else serves her up some food. How can I tackle that without seeming like I'm like, eat your food. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really tough.
1: Um, And especially, you know, she's prime age, and she's got a new sibling come into the world. So those two things are absolutely what is going to cause and trigger that kind of um fussy behavior so sometimes children will go through a phase anyway between around 18 months and, and three years of age that's really really standard for for them to be quite fussy it can happen before can happen afterwards so first of all know that that's normal and also know that you know periods of food refusal in your child's life is also very very normal um so try not to think about it as like oh something that you're doing wrong or something Unique. it's just a natural progression and a natural part of their eating and the more that you can appreciate and understand that the more that actually you can go okay this is quite normal let's not let's not get too angst about it let's you know let this phase go through and actually one of the things i've been talking about a huge amount at the moment is pressure pressure to eat is what has the opposite effect to what we want So if at that mealtime we're saying, no, we want you to eat this, or no, we want you to try it, or no, we want you to sit with us, um, anything that is seen as them as pressure to eat that food is likely to have the opposite effect, which means that the next time they sit down for a meal, they're going to remember pressure i didn't like that and they're going to do that you know they're going to have the same in, instinct refusing food and um, it's so important to try and say to them it's really hard and it kind of goes against everything that we as parents want to to have that that's okay you don't have to eat it and leave it at that and that can have such a dramatic impact on the variety they do eat that's fine, just eat the bits you want. No worries, I'm going to sit here and eat my meal because I really enjoy this. Mm. So, you know, little things like that that take the pressure off and um, make it okay. You know, as soon as they see, oh, mum's not that bothered with, I eat it. And it might take a few times, but it's more likely to result in them actually eating the food, that kind of nonchalance. And when it comes to Christmas time, I I think, first of all, again, not putting the pressure on yourself. If they don't eat Christmas dinner, what's the worst that's going to happen? Just going to be a bit hungrier later for something else. Um, you know, so sometimes we have that kind of I want them to sit at the table, I want them to eat with the family. But as we've already seen, you know, if your little one's already going through a bit of a stage where they're not wanting the food, and um, if they're, you know, sensing pressure a little bit at meal times to eat up, and then they've got a new sibling in the mix, and then it's Christmas, and then there's presents, and then it's excitement, and then put yourself in their shoes. It's overwhelming. There's going to be so much going on on Christmas day. So pressuring them to try and eat Christmas dinner is not going to be the answer mm-hmm. because actually that's going to overwhelm them. It's going to put them off food more. It's going to make them feel um, negative. It's going to make you stressed. It's going to make others around the table maybe you know pick up on some of that vibe. So the best thing you can do at Christmas is Try and structure out their meals a little bit so that you are offering them foods throughout the day, you know, in, you know, rather than grazing all day, there are opportunities for them to eat foods that you know they'll eat that are maybe higher in nutrients and and energy. Um, Think about that meal as a, if they eat it, brilliant. If they stay with it, it's brilliant. But if they don't, it's okay. It's just one meal. um, And I'm going to not be, you know, anxious and and kind of uh, worried about it because, that's, that's ultimately what you don't want to do. So sorry, I, I know I've kind of rambled on. And I, I don't know if that kind of helps at all, but I really think that it's taking the pressure off. It's knowing that it's one meal and maybe focusing on the days around it in terms of getting those foods and those nutrients into their diet that you can.
0: Mm-hmm. So it completely answers my question. With food refusal, so if they're sitting up at the table and they just say, no, don't want to eat it, and they get back down, I know this sounds really probably a weird question, but it's okay for them to kind of get back down and go and play with their toys whilst you stay and eat your food or you want to try and encourage them to stay at the table and watch you eat your food or what's the right way to go about that? It's it's so challenging and it's such a great question. There isn't a single answer.
1: What I would say is that as families, it's really good to have your own kind of mealtime structure and mealtime, you know, a few rules that you decide as family you want to stick So. Is it that they have to ask before they leave the table? Um, Is it that you want them to stay at the table with you? Um, Is it that everyone leaves the table at the same time? I mean, establish your own family rules. The only thing I would caveat that with is if your little one is not wanting the food and if they are forced to stay at the table and they're seeing that food in front of them that they don't want to eat, that they're not comfortable being around, and we force them to stay and they're miserable and they enjoy it even less, again, that's likely to have a knock on effect to the next mealtime and the next mealtime. So, again, we're taking that pressure off. Sometimes that might look like your child getting down from the table and maybe going to get a toy and playing with a toy while you do eat something. It's not an ideal scenario, of course, because you don't really want them, you know, distracting and distracting others around the table actually it's better than having the pressure mm. of them sitting with you mm. and watching you eat when they said they don't want food they don't want the mealtime and they don't want to be there I often say you know if your baby or your child is crying at the mealtime and they are really unhappy take them away because mm. there is no point in adding that pressure if you are desperate to eat your food and you've got other family members then yes you sit down and say I'm gonna sit here um You could try saying to your daughter first, "Um, that's okay, if you don't want to be here, I understand, but I'm going to sit here and eat because I'm really hungry and I want to eat my dinner. Would you stay with me so that we can still talk together? That might not work the first time or the second time or the third time, but it might work the fourth time and they might go, okay, I'm not going to be forced to eat. So do you know what? I will stay and I will eat with mummy. And that starts to bring back that kind of, bit of pleasure around mealtimes and takes that pressure off so I would say what we want to do is allow them to get down try ways of encouraging your little one to stay with you enjoy that mealtime to kind of have fun with you even if that's not eating the food at that stage does that make sense so yeah it's basically about bringing that enjoyment back to the mealtime in whatever way you can
0: Completely. And I, it's so great that we're having this conversation because I can see in the moment, you know, on Christmas Day or something or on a mm. you know boxing day, whenever you have your family round, there's so many eyes on the children anyway, aren't there? They're literally yeah. family, just watching them do every little thing yeah. anyway. So at the dinner table, it's, it's even more pressure, isn't it? Yeah. And I, for one, know exactly. that when I'm in kind of a stressful situation, I'm not very good at taking a step back and just thinking okay, yeah. the bigger picture here, exactly. <laughs> whereas my exactly. head immediately goes to, oh my God, she's going to be hungry later. What am I? Yeah. Oh, she's not going to eat. So if they are hungry later, so if they refuse their dinner or their mm-hmm. lunch, whatever it is, and then Amandine is primed for this, she'll come up to me about half an hour later, mommy, I'm hungry, especially mm-hmm. if it's before bed. Then what do you do?
1: So, again, I think what's really important, even on Christmas Day, really, is having a structure around meals still, so that you are still giving your little or multiple opportunities to eat food throughout the day. Um, I'd also say if you're worried that they're not going to eat Christmas dinner, pack in meals either side that you know they will eat okay so you know their favorite breakfast and their favorite you know their favorite dinner if we're talking about lunchtime for example so you know that they will get calories they will get the food that they that they you know want either side of it so definitely try and do that so structure those meals so that there are multiple opportunities for them to eat breakfast lunch dinner maybe a couple of snacks um because it's christmas day maybe they might have a pudding um or they might you know have extras during the day because you know everything's going to be a little bit different isn't it but try and keep that structure in where you can so they have multiple opportunities to get a decent lot of nutrients and calories in um, and then yeah absolutely if they come to you later on it would be a case of oh that's fine we're going to be having we're going to be having dinner in an hour so yeah absolutely we will give you more food i know you're hungry because you didn't have your lunch that's absolutely fine we will be giving you dinner in an hour's time because that's what time dinner time is so Why not to feed outside of that structure? And I think that's really key, not just for Christmas Day, for all the time with children and babies, because do do that. They are going to come and say, well, not necessarily young babies, but they are going to come and say, we're we're hungry because we've missed a meal um and you know as long as they've got multiple opportunities to kind of top up on some of that I think that's ideally all you can do and I would say do the same on Christmas day and in terms of like the other people watching you I, I totally get that and I think the main thing I would say is try and have a conversation if you can beforehand you know for example She's not been eating brilliantly at the moment. I know it's really normal part of development. Most kids go through fussy phases. Um, and I know the way to deal with it is actually being really nonchalant rather than putting lots of pressure on them to eat. So, you know, even if you want to say you've spoken to someone about it, you've read about it or whatever, maybe try and have a really kind of casual conversation with the family and just let them know this is what we're doing. Um, so if that happens at mealtimes, you know, I'm just going to say, worry about it because it's better to not put the pressure on. So maybe a little bit of explanation beforehand Mm -hmm. will help you to feel better, you to feel less judged and other people understand and maybe not get involved in that situation because there's nothing worse than other people going, you should be eating your dinner or, oh, this is all such delicious food. I can't believe you're not eating it because again, that's all pressure and it's actually going to have the opposite effect to what you want. So
0: I think that pre-conversation could be really critical to a lot of families. Well, the absolute classic. You need to finish your main course before you have dessert, yeah. otherwise no dessert. Yeah. yeah, there's no, yeah. So, you know, again, saying to them, like, pudding's here now, and then say, what, you're going
1: to get pudding? It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> because again, otherwise you're saying to them, well, you can't, you can't have this food because you didn't eat that food. And it's almost like a punishment around food, and that is really not ideal. We don't want to be punishing with food. So you have to eat this gruel that you really don't want to eat in order to get the good stuff you know, that's what we're doing is food hierarchy. If we say that we're also, as I said, you know, offering a treat. So this is a treat. If you eat the bad stuff, you get the good stuff. Um, And again, punishment with food. If you don't eat this, you're not having this punishment. All of that is actually quite negative in terms of impact that can have on your little one. And thoughts and their feelings around mealtimes and food so and especially on christmas day you know yeah. we're going to end up in a massive battleground so i would say communicate with your family beforehand and just say this is what we're doing um you know this is whether you want to say this is what research says or just this is what we're doing and i'd really appreciate your support with it because it's obviously quite tough and it's obviously quite awkward
0: mm, absolutely. you know <laughs> I worked with Pureflow back in the summer when it was difficult to know how to dress Elwood when the weather was so hot. We also went to France and it was really, really hot there and the team gave me the solution then with their lightweight swaddles and baby sleep bags and it really helped Elwood to be comfortable and sleep so much better. He used to sleep from 10 in the evening until about (laughs) 6am and it was amazing. So now that the weather's turned so cold, I asked the experts at Pure Flow to help me once again. They have created a genius all-season baby sleep bag. It's quite different to the other sleep bags as it has cosy quilted sleeves that can be zipped on to keep the arms warm on winter nights. This flexibility means you can adjust the warmth of the sleep bag to suit your room and your baby. And you can use it almost all year round rather than buying lots of different togs. Pureflow are a British brand who have been making baby bedding for 25 years. They're big on safety, so the baby sleep bags have breathable panels to help prevent overheating and they meet all the relevant British and European safety standards. They are also award winners, having won gold for the Best Baby and Child Sleepwear at the Made for Mums Awards this year. PureFlow are offering Mum Talk listeners, that's you, a 15% discount on all baby sleep bags from www.pureflow.com. That's P U R F L O.com. Just use the code MumTalk15. So that brings us on to treats. Obviously around Christmas there's tons of sugar around, especially, you know, if you're maybe at the grandparents' house and there's chocolates lying around and oh just have one, it won't do them any harm. And it ends up 20 later, or they find the advent calendar or something and empty it out. How do we approach how do we approach sweet treats over the Christmas period?
1: Okay, so again, you know, this varies from family to family and people will have their own take on it. And I've actually got a blog coming next Monday, which is literally yeah. about this topic. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll share that with you and maybe along with the, this podcast, you could maybe share that just because I think that yeah. it's really something that lots of parents really stress about. But the first thing I'd say is it varies on the child's age. So for example, Hida, um, she's just over one. Won't be, You know, I wouldn't letting her have tons of sugar and 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 sweet foods because she's very young and ideally you know you don't really want children having um added sugars when they are you know kind of in their infancy so my take on it is as soon as your little ones are very aware of what those foods are and that's going to vary from child to child if they are aware oh you know this is um sweet food and this is what i want this is chocolate these are cakes these are biscuits um you don't want to overly restrict them once they are very aware of it because that's going to be seen again as restricting holy grail Mm -hmm. we want to try and keep all fields all foods on a bit of a level playing field, which is very difficult especially around christmas so that's why i say for the younger children who don't get it Feed them the foods that they enjoy. You know, Ada, she loves her food. She loves her oat cake. She loves, um, things like peanut butter. She loves, um, I'm trying to think now off the top of my head, but she loves fruit, absolutely loves fruit. She's such a stickler for it. Um, so, you know, I will try and focus on giving Ada all of those foods that I know she really loves. And I did this with Rafi till he was about two and a half, three Um really wasn't very aware of lots of the sweets and cakes and biscuits we just didn't have them in the house that often um, and he just didn't really see because a lot of our friends you know follow similar um you know patterns of, of how they feed their kids so he just wasn't around that kind of food very much um, Sorry, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent. What I would say is, um, yeah, for younger babies, try and avoid it as much as you can. For older babies and children who are a lot more aware, I would say that it's absolutely fine to let them have that food. Um, Remember, it's one day. Try and stick to specific times during the day when they are going to be having those foods. And try not overtly, so try not to obviously be limiting and restricting it. Because as soon as you do that, you're going to go... He's restricting that food. That means I should want more of it. Um, But, you know, with my son, I've I've honestly been so shocked on so many occasions about how he's very good at going, okay, I'm going to, I really want this. I'm going to eat it. And then he'll pick up something else in the middle of it, any, you know, a savory carrot or. or something else alongside it because he's very good at regulating because I've always kind of let him do that so I would say try not to overly restrict um try and stick to a regular structure when they have those so it's not just grazing on them throughout the day because they're not going to eat their meals mm. and they're going to overdo it and possibly not feel very well as a result um so stick to those structures and 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 try not to overtly restrict it. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, have a portion that's out and allow them to see all the rest of it the whole time because of then, of course, they're going to keep wanting it. Um, just try not to overtly restrict it. Um, you could also try having a conversation, depending on how old they are, about, you know, the food and about saying, well, there's going to be plenty of this food available, you know, things like chocolate and sweets and cakes, but there's also going to be lots of things like, um, you know, potatoes and broccoli and and all of the other food that's often normally available um the other thing you could do is try and um you know as i said balance those snacks out so when you're offering them you maybe do offer something like a savory muffin with some chocolate and um a few crisps so that you're actually you know again not having just the kind of foods the the high fat high sugar foods that are um kind of being held up as the best options for them to be having so that was a really long-winded way of saying it but um no but I don't know if that made any sense I'm so sorry
0: no of course it did of course it did just going back (coughs) to um weaning if Mm -hmm if similar to me I mean we're past the first 10 days now but if someone's following the first 10 days of your plan where you're trying to aim for the more bitter greener vegetables Mm -hmm. and you say they show a lot of interest in a roasted parsnip or something like that it's okay to vary and give it to them for just that one day or yeah
1: I think you know with the to my plan, one of the one of the things that I wanted to do in that was to um, allow it to be flexible. So, although I've offered a plan, that's kind of for the parents who really want that step by step guide. If you are going with kale and you don't have kale in that day. What do you have in your fridge? And if that's a sweeter veg, that's fine too. It's all about variety. It's all about stimulating taste buds. It's all about exposure and getting them familiar with food. So that's absolutely fine. I do like to kind of try and offer more savoury veggies for the first 10 days, just to, again, um, start to adapt their little taste buds. But mm. that's absolutely fine. don't think you need to stick to it point by point. What's available on Christmas Day is going to be so much, you know, like I say, sprouts and carrots and kale and potatoes and parsnips and all of that delicious food. So there's such a variety what you want to try. And you know what, if you're on day, day 10 of the plan and you think, oh, I'd really like them to have a mixture of some of these for it you know um I think it's all about experimenting and you don't need to follow it rigidly the only thing I would say because you mentioned parsnips is remember that children under one shouldn't have honey so anything that's um, roasted or glazed with honey it's not ideal to be giving babies under one
0: Yes, that's a very good point, because most parsnips are delicious with honey. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Our fallback is always cucumber, which I know is really bad, but we've been, well, it's not bad, but that's that's what our fallback is. And I've been giving it to him because of his teeth. He's definitely teething. But he Um, gets irate. If he gets a bit of cucumber in his mouth and he can't spit it out he gets absolutely irate and then just loses it. And then that's weaning over at the table. Yeah. Um, And I have to calm him down with the boob. Is that just a stage he's going to go through and come out the other side? I mean, possibly. It depends really on
1: the situation. I would say that it might just be frustration of not being able to yeah. deal with it. Um, I couldn't I couldn't tell you, you know, specifically exactly what it is, but it might be, it sounds a bit like it's frustration of him not being able to deal with it. So mm. um I would say, you know, make sure that the foods you're giving are nice and soft and squidgy mm. so they're really appropriate for him to be able to self feeding. Um I would say try and stay calm in those situations, even if he is getting irate himself and you know reassure let him know it's okay lots of eye contact and um, also I'd say do lots of kind of the, the skill development so lots of you biting okay. showing how to bite and chew in front of him so he's starting to pick up on a lot of those um, behaviors and you know think about offering lots of variety in terms of the textures that you're offering obviously within the stage that you're at you start to move through that but um Basically, he probably needs to lots more experience with different textures so that he can learn how to handle and deal with that food in the mouth. And that comes with practice. But just make sure that the finger foods that he's having are really are nice and soft and squidgy and they're really easy for him to be able to manage, um, you know, reduce the risk of choking. And as I said, just stay stay calm and um keep experimenting with textures as much as you can. Does
0: mm. that make sense? Absolutely. We've been kind of scooping out the cucumber jelly bit inside, much to oh, yeah. my uh much to my daughter's yeah. frustration, because she then gets the hard bit on the outside. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you yeah, like, weighs like so I do. much, don't you? Yes,
1: <laughs> so much. I do, I always end up having the leftovers of you know yeah. what this in my plate is literally just chunks of. Half-eaten
0: food, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or a bowl of classic cereal. Um, one question that isn't uh, necessarily related to Christmas, um, but selfishly, I'm going to ask it. So, this three-year fussy stage that you uh, touched on—does this just end naturally, and she'll grow out of it, or do I just keep offering the same kinds of foods, like you know, her broccolis and all the things that she's saying no to at the moment, classically? just keep offering those and then she'll come out the other side or is there something else I should be doing? So I mean it's really tough to say but um, there's there's tons
1: of things that you can do Um, but ultimately I always say when kids go through a fussy phase we need to instead of almost medicalizing it and thinking like this is a problem that needs to be solved it's so much easier as a parent to sit back and go this is normal, this is natural is part of their feeding journey for many, many children. Um, try and follow their lead. So I think actually one thing we tend to think of is we want to fix it. So we're going, this is a problem we need to fix. And actually in fixing, what we often do is we end up putting on pressure. Mm-hmm. Pressure to eat, pressure to behave, pressure to sit at the table, pressure around meal times, pressure around food. And that Honestly, is what has the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. So instead, what's ideal is for us to sit, back, role model. So feed ourselves, show ourselves in eating and enjoying a variety of food. Make those meal times fun, so that they're going. Oh well, mummy's having fun with daddy, or mummy's having fun with my brother at the meal time. You know, they're they're obviously enjoying it. It's obviously an enjoyable occasion. Mummy's enjoying food. Mummy's eating lots of variety what they'll learn from is picking up on you doing all of those things um so instead of the pressure to eat up instead of the you know turning those meal times into a battleground carry on offering all the same foods that you already did carry on exposing your little one to a wide variety because what can happen is we can end up going right they're not eating that they're not eating that, they're not eating that. So, actually, I'm just going to give them those foods that they will eat. And you end up with a really, you know, handful of foods that they will accept. Mm. Whereas, if we keep on offering all of those foods, they're more likely to, to carry on accepting some. It might take time, they'll refuse all, they'll refuse some, they'll come back and forwards between foods. Um, but if you keep offering them, it's the only way they're going to keep accepting it. Mm. If we take them off the table and we say, well, we won't offer that anymore not going to accept them again mm. so we have to keep trying with all those foods so keep offering all the foods that you normally offered role model plenty Mealtime's really enjoyable and so importantly take that pressure off mm. it's so hard because you're literally going against your instincts as a parent which is mm. i need to feed my baby to get them to eat to get them to have all the nutrients and the energy they need and to be okay you're going against that Actually, pressuring them to eat has been shown time and time again in research to do the absolute opposite. Children who are pressured to eat food are less likely to eat it and to have a lower variety. Children who are not pressured to eat or children who are restricted in eating their food are actually more likely to eat more. So it's it's literally the opposite ends of the spectrum. And ideally, what you want to do is be quite nonchalant about whether they eat it. Um, tell them that's okay you don't have to eat it and sometimes just using that phrase over and over again help them go well she's not bothered I may as well you know I'm not getting any attention for this Um, the mealtime's quite enjoyable there's no pressure on me to eat so I may as well be there and eventually you'll see your little one start eating again.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much so helpful I really do I need to just drop drop the pressure
1: <laughs> it's so hard though it's so hard. i do it you know we do it i after you've cooked a, a meal and you've spent an hour cooking and yeah. then they're sitting there going oh i don't like this you just oh. think the other thing i would say is a tip for me is offer them small portions so start really small and then you don't waste so much food if they don't eat it pop the rest of that food in the freezer it out again, and think I'm not going to serve that again. I'm not going to cook that again. Put it in the freezer in small batches and try again with it. Um, the other thing you can do is offer food they do like alongside foods that they um, aren't eating at the moment. So you know maybe you have a small portion of shepherd's pie, and uh, you know that the rest of the family are eating, and you just top up loads on parsnips or carrots or the bit of meal that you think they will eat, for example. Um, so there's loads of different tactics you can do. Um, Honestly, the main ones are carry on exposing, or modelling, making mealtimes fun and taking the pressure off.
0: That's fantastic. Charlotte, thank you so, so, so much for joining me. Is there anything else that you want to say Christmas related or not to any parents out there listening about the weaning, feeding kids? So, I think, you know, I, I feel like I kind of messed up the question a little bit when it came
1: to the, um, the foods to offer, you know, offering kind of sweets and sugary foods on Christmas Day. And I think just to reiterate the truth that I would say for older toddlers, try not to overly restrict. Offer them at specific times of day so that there's a structure to when they're eating. And try and make, when you offer those food, try and offer them alongside other foods as well to get in some nutrients. So whether that be, you know, some slices of apple and a chunk of cheese, a a dollop of yoghurt, um, try and offer them alongside some nutrient-rich options as well, rather than letting them just graze throughout the day. Um, and as I said, remember, it's just one day and you can kind of adapt what they're having the weeks before and the weeks afterwards. And, you know, it's, it's really not going to have a huge impact, especially if you go in really calm and not overly restricting the food that's on offer. Mm. And that will have a big impact. So yeah, just to kind of summarize and reiterate that. And I would just say, try and think about all of the wonderful foods that are available at Christmas. You know, I just did a post yesterday about Christmas and getting them involved in food. If you've got kids who are a little bit fussy or who um, are refusing food, there's so many opportunities to get them involved in food around this time of year, whether it be potato stamps on cards or whether it be, you know, painting sprouts or painting pasta and turning them into decorations there's so many different ways that you can get kids involved in food at this time of the year so try and involve them in food because all of that is exposure familiarization and can lead to them being a bit more accepting of a wider variety of food
0: I'm going to write down potato stamps you've just reminded me about that when I was a kid I totally forgot about that it's so much fun
1: (laughs) so much fun and again yeah you can do it with other foods and you know you can you can like I say paint foods or use carrot tops as I mean, there's so many ways you can engage kids in food at this time of year and, you know, making like salt bow and, and wreaths. And there's just it's just so much. It's such an opportunity for us to get kids to have fun with food. And ultimately, when kids are fussy or refusing food, that's what it's about. Getting them to think this food's fun. This is enjoyable. And it, it,
0: touching it and feeling it and painting
1: with it. All of that stuff can really help.
0: Absolutely. I popped into Sainsbury's yesterday to grab some teething powder, totally unrelated, but I thought I saw some Christmas pasta, which is just oh, yes. all shaped and like I did not know this existed. Love it. But it looks brilliant. And actually, yeah, I love so pasta, good. but it looks fantastic. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like, well, you can get as well, you know, um, different types of pasta like the the bean pasta and stuff like that and that can sometimes be a good alternative Um, but yeah I mean even things as well going to supermarket with them at this time of year there's such a great wealth like Ruffy has been obsessed with purple carrots, and the thing is they actually are so much less sweet and when I try them I'm like they're a lot more earthy and a lot less sweet. he loves them I mean he's literally like novelty of a purple (laughs) carrot you know so he just he asks for them all the time and I've been making their carrot cake porridge with purple carrots which is so much less sweet it's literally like eating a really savory bowl but he absolutely loves it so you know take them shopping them helping you with picking out different foods and fruits and vegetables all of that stuff can just help to engage them in food
0: a little bit more Fantastic. Thank you so much Well, Happy Christmas. Have a wonderful evening. Charlotte is so incredibly knowledgeable. I'm always so grateful because weaning is just, and feeding, feeding anybody is one of the most stressful things I find. Today for lunch, I literally gave, um, well, Everyone had what Elwood was trying. He had eggs, rice and peas, which is in Charlotte's book. So everybody had eggs, rice and peas because I just could not be dealing with making a lunch for Hendrik, a lunch for Amandine and a lunch for Elwood. Did I eat? Of course I didn't. In fact, I've just remembered I'm sitting here doing this and I haven't even eaten yet. Oh my goodness me. Okay, well... Thank you so much for joining for the festive mini-series. I really, really hope it's been supportive to you in some way, even if there's just been the tiniest little thing that you've thought, oh yeah, you know what, that's what I'm going to do, or I'm, I'm going to try and avoid Emma's Carbonara experience, then that makes me really happy. I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Christmas and we will catch up in the new year where I'm sure I will have plenty more to share about Elwood's sleep. Let's hope that it is going to be good. In fact, he I've reverted to the buggy naps. He's back in the buggy and he's had a good morning nap and a good lunchtime nap and that's what I'm doing for now because I'm going to go dare crazy in a minute. Last night he was up every single hour from when I put him down, every hour from half past six through the whole night. It was just insane. Anyway, there we go. Have a wonderful Christmas. I will catch you on the other side. If you've enjoyed this mini series, please, please share it on your social media or share it wherever, share it in your WhatsApp groups, just so it can be of support to other mums, parents, carers out there um, who may may just find something that resonates with them too and will help them out the other side and of course review and rate wherever you listen to your podcasts as that also helps i appreciate you all thank you for being here lots and lots of love and have a very merry christmas huge thanks again to pure flow for sponsoring this episode i'm looking forward to cuddling elwood all snuggly and warm in his baby sleep bag when it's chilly and dark outside Pureflow baby sleep bags are so soft and cozy and they're made of pillowy cotton jersey. I love the grey mile fabric. So don't forget that you can get 15% off baby sleep bags until the end of February 2022 by entering the code MUMTALK15 at That's www.pureflow.com